0: So we're interested in understanding how the body moves, basically. So we're uh, interested in understanding how the nervous system controls muscles and then how that changes uh, under different conditions. So, for example, um, as we age or as muscle fatigues or also um, the changes that take place in different types of uh, neurodegenerative or neurological conditions, Uh, for example, in Parkinson's disease or Huntington's disease or maybe after a stroke Um, So really signals uh, are communicated around the body using electrical impulses, so very small little current and voltage pulses. So in many ways you can look look at it like an engineering system and you can use engineering methods to try to understand how that communication uh, works. So we, and on the engineering side, the two main tools we use are, one is computational modelling, so we can build up quite detailed models of networks of neurons within the brain or of all of the different muscle fibres within the muscle and the electrical fields that they generate. And we can use those to try to understand the mechanisms by which it works and then by which it changes under these different conditions. Um, And the other tool that we use is signal processing or signal analysis. So we can record signals from the body. You can record the electrical signals the muscles generate, or you can record the electrical signals that are generated by the brain, either with electrodes on the, the scalp or with electrodes implanted deep within it. And then we can use signal processing techniques in combination with our understanding of how the system works to try to extract information about that. So to to unpick it, if you like, and get a window into the nervous system and into the neuromuscular system.
1: Is is this all just um, uh, is it understanding how things work or is it understanding what is happening when things break down? It's both.
0: So in order to be able to understand and, and ultimately what we want to be able to do then is come up with therapeutic interventions or therapies or technologies such as medical devices that can help then fix things or improve function when they do break down. So the first part of it, I suppose, is to understand really how things work um, in the, let's say, normal conditions or under healthy conditions. Because then we understand what they should look like, for example, what those firing patterns of those nerves are. Then that allows us to look at them in um, pathological conditions or diseased conditions. And you can see what those differences are. And then that could shed some light on what's going wrong and what you need to do in order to try to restore the function that's been lost. You know, be that movement and the sort of stuff that we're interested in. And then the last piece in the jigsaw is how you can change things. So what sort of an intervention you can do in order to change things? So that could be something like a therapy such as an exercise therapy. So we've had some work recently working with um, colleagues in um, uh, the Royal Hospital in Donnybrook, where they're doing specific targeted exercise interventions in people with Parkinson's disease. And we can use sensors on the muscles and on the limbs in order to track the changes that take place over time. And then we can see, does this work? And if it does, what does it affect? For example, does it improve their gait cycle? If it does, how? Does it change the coordination of the muscles? Um, Does it change fine motor control or just big movements? Um, And then that provides some quantitative information on that. And then you can also look at different medical devices. So one that we're particularly interested in as electronic engineers is the whole area of neuromodulation and electrical stimulation. So you can electrically stimulate nerves and muscles by um, applying small currents or voltages to them using electrodes, either the skin surface or implanted within the body. Uh, And one area there that we've been particularly interested in is deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's disease. So there they implant electrodes within the brain and they stimulate neurons in the surrounding area and they change their patterns of activity. And it's very effective um, in restoring lost movement, lost uh, motor function. Uh, But the mechanisms aren't fully understood. And from an engineering control system, it's relatively simple. So uh, you you go in, you stimulate and you use trial and error to try to set what that stimulation parameters are. Um, But what we'd like to be able to do is do that in a more, um, I suppose, a more intelligent way uh, from an engineering system perspective. So you can record signals back from the body, body, understand what's going on and then change your stimulation in order to adapt to that. It's it's an amazing crossover of fields. You've been involved, haven't you, Madeline, in the development of a device uh, for is, it, is it to do with movement in the hands? So we have, yeah, that's right. So this was it came out of the exercise study that uh, I mentioned. So it's a very simple device, really, um, developed with uh, two of my PhD students, Ben O'Callaghan and Matthew Flood at the time. So it just uses the accelerometers placed on the hand, um, and it can measure um, finger contact times during the sort of tapping tests that they do within the clinic so normally the clinician will look at the patient and they'll judge and um, you know they'll judge their movement in a kind of a, a qualitative way or um, subjective way so what we wanted to be able to do is to track that over time and to look at the changes over time so it's a simple device that can track the amount of tremor in the limb and also then the fine motor control and give you some um, some hard hard sort of information or numbers on that that you can use in order to, to quantify um, improvements in motor control.
1: The deep Brain stimulation aspect, Um, I do remember, I think it might have been um, Insight's first uh, SFI review where you showed a video of a patient with Parkinson's who was walking down a hall with huge tremor. And then after implantation of a device, I think it was almost like a transformation. That's right. I mean, it looked like something from science fiction almost. What stage is that sort of um, technology at now? Is that actually in use Oh, it is. It's a very much a mainstream technology. So
0: it's been implied in about, um, the numbers aren't exact, but somewhere between 250, you know, somewhere around 250,000 patients worldwide. So it's an established therapy for Parkinson's disease at the moment, and also for essential tremor. And then it's used um, also for obsessive compulsive disorder and for specific um, uh, motor disorders as well, including dystonia sometimes. So it's, it's very well It tends to be used now in patients who stopped responding to medication. Um, So patients who had responded to medication, but for whom the medication is no longer effective. And then they will generally be um, considered for for deep brain stimulation. So it's, I mean, the the DBS devices by one of the companies who manufacture them, Um, Boston Scientific are all made in Ireland as well. They're manufactured in Clonmel. But it's very much, essentially, it's like pacemaking for the brain. You know, we're familiar with cardiac pacemaking. That's been around a long time and it's doing something very similar to the, the neurons in the brain instead of the, the cardiac cells in the heart. That's extraordinary. And are you networked into a global um, research infrastructure on this? Are there a lot of people working on this all over the world? There are. There's different groups working on it all over the world. Uh, we've collaborators uh, in Europe. Um, we've collaborators in Paris, we've uh, different groups that we're working with, We've um, in, in, in a different area in Huntington's disease, we're working with the group who are looking at uh, wearable sensing to measure physical activity, sleep and nutrition in individuals with Huntington's disease at different sites throughout Europe, um, and that's been led by Cardiff University. So it's uh, certainly, there is a, it's, it's an area that is being, um, you know, that there's a lot of work being done in worldwide.
1: Can I ask, this might seem like a quite basic question, but when somebody goes into engineering, where you are, I I don't think many people, it would even occur to people that the kind of research you're doing would have, it's not a natural connection that people make. I guess with engineering, people might think building bridges or something, but when you started out in the very early days, I mean, did you have any notion of where you would end up?
0: Um, I, I was always interested in the area of biomedical engineering, but at the time it wasn't well established. So I went into engineering because I liked the the maths and that, that side of it. And then I went into electronic engineering from that. Uh, but I always had an interest in biomedical. I, I always was interested in that interse- intersection between medicine and engineering. Um, But nowadays, we have a biomedical engineering program here in UCD and, you know, many of the universities in Ireland and internationally do as well. So it's more visible to our students coming in. But in a way, the sort of when I started, your first question was kind of around the the, maybe the tools that we use as engineers. So we use computational modeling, signal processing, data analysis. And that's exactly the same as my colleagues next door might be doing, working on problems in on the power system or on communications. So you're applying it to a different type of system and the problems are different, obviously, and you have to change it and tailor it and you're dealing with different frequencies and things behave differently. But it's the same tools, if you like, that you're using. And we work very closely as well with colleagues in in science, in medicine um, and with with clinical collaborators, of course, you know, to be able to do any of that work with patients.
1: What are you, um, what what does the next couple of years hold for you? What are you working on at the moment and where are you? Sort of going. So at the moment
0: we're working in the, well, the, the study I mentioned in Huntington's disease is one that we're sort of in the middle of at the moment we have. Um, we're still working in the area of deep brain stimulation on developing closed loop strategies. So um, algorithms that would allow you to sense information from the body and then to change the, maybe the frequency or the amplitude of the pulse duration of the stimulation in response to that. So it could respond to changes in the patient's symptoms, you know, that occur within the day or over over weeks or months. Um, and then we also have studies started as well in trialing those. So we we develop them and test them on our computational models, and then we're starting uh, we've small preclinical tests started to be able to test them, their efficacy or show proof of concept. Must be very exciting. It is it's very exciting. It's very interesting. It's always interesting. Yeah. I can imagine, too, that it must be very exciting to know that some of this research is being translated here in Ireland. It's not just it's not, you know, the way sometimes you can do a little piece of it and then it tends to leave Ireland. Whereas in the in the device development section, Ireland is actually quite front and centre. Am I right? That's right. It is. It, it's very much so. Um, the medical device industry in Ireland is um, is huge um, and the it's, it's a huge employer. And a, there's a lot of R&D now taking place in Ireland as well. And it's great when you see our graduates coming through as well you know, they get placements in the, so our biomedical engineering students are coming through and they're getting placements in industry and they're going off to work in industry in the area, you know, in which they've trained and which they've gone into, which is really nice to see.